Welcome to the CRE Advantage. My name is Charles Williams. Uh, I will be your host today. I am the owner and managing member of Pioneer Realty Capital. Uh, today we have with us Mr. J.C. Clemens. Uh, Mr. Clemens is the Director of Investment for Flagship Capital Partners. Now, uh, about your program, are you guys more focused on stabilized assets, transitioning assets, uh, development? Uh, what would you say your lending niche is? Our, our lending niche is definitely on transitioning assets. So if you have a deal that's 95% leased and is steady NOI and everything's going great, we're not the lender for you. What we really like to focus on are value-add deals to where, say, the NOI today or the net operating income, the bottom line is $200,000 annually, and your business plan is to take that to $600,000 NOI, net, net operating income annually after 12 to 18 months. So our bridge lending is really for people that are going into a property that's distressed or mismanaged, or you're going to go in and put some money into the apartment units and get higher rents, increase the operational, um, the operations of the deal and increase the value over time. And our bridge loan product, typically we only want to be in the deal for about 12 to 36 months. So our bridge product is really just on the transition. And then once you get the deal stabilized, it usually more accretive to the borrower to go and put more traditional long-term financing uh, on it going forward. Okay, so let me just paint a picture uh, for our audience. Um, and before I do that, and I always like to do this because um, uh, JC and I are industry guys, so uh, we might slip into speaking industry talk. So he used a very, very key um, metric that we all look at when we're evaluating deals. He talked about NOI, which is net operating income. And what that simply means, that is the difference between uh, the revenue minus the expenses, and then we add back uh, to that number uh, uh, non-cash expenses like depreciation, amortization, if we're recapitalizing the debt or we're refinancing the debt uh, on it, we're going to add back the mortgage interest and come up with the net operating income. And that number is very, very key uh, to evaluating commercial real estate transaction particularly investment properties. Uh, we will have a, a later episode where we get into commercial real estate metrics uh, so that you can understand exactly what goes into evaluating a deal so that you know the difference between a real deal and a deal that's not real <laughs> or a good deal and a deal that's not good. Uh, we will talk about that later, but, but that's what NOI uh, is. Uh, but now, with regards uh, to your, your program, JC, um, when you're looking at a, uh, when you're working on a transaction, uh, you're looking for those that are transitioning from um, maybe underperforming to a point where you can uh, get it to, the, to its performing, correct? Correct. And so that's a pretty short time horizon, that 12 to 36 months. Um, so uh, I'd like to give you a scenario and you tell me exactly how you would approach this transaction. Um, so let's say, for instance, uh, I, am a, uh, I own an apartment building and uh, a complex. I have 240 units and, um, you know, unfortunately a tornado has come through and has taken out 40% uh, of my units. 
Now, 40% uh, of my units are down. Um, I'm working with the insurance company. It's going to take them six months to determine why they should not pay me <laughs> uh, because that's what insurance companies do. But during that time, I have lost revenue. My, you know, 40% of my complex is not, uh, cannot be uh, inhabited. Um, now, let me ask you, have you ever seen a situation like this before? Uh, 100%, we're, we're in Houston. So uh, Hurricane Harvey and other subsequent storms uh, took out the entire bottom floors on a significant amount of apartment complexes, office buildings, retail centers, and we did lend money and uh, infuse equity on a significant amount of those transactions. Okay, so let's follow the story here. Now, in those situations, do the mortgage companies that make the loans, that made the original loan on that property, do they say, hey, I know that you had a national disaster, you can stop paying me? Does it work like that? No, it does not. <laughs> so, so what happens? Uh, you, you know, you have this owner who owns a property that's been affected by a natural disaster. It's going to take months to negotiate something with the insurance company um, to get something done. And you have uh, your mortgage that's due. And uh, I mean, are you telling me that that, that original mortgage company would foreclose on a property in a, a circumstance like that? No, they're not going to, you know, foreclose or take the deal over. What we saw with a lot of those situations is clients and borrowers really having trouble getting their money from the insurance and from the government and from FEMA. And so there's two different ways that you can approach a situation like that. One is that you can take the, the slower approach, which is to stay with your current lender because there's all different types of insurance and policies and things to address those types of situations because the vast majority of lenders are gonna require you to have flood insurance. And so there is a process that's involved with all of that, but it can be significantly slow um, compared to other options. And so option one is to stay with your current lender to go through the process with the insurance companies and all of the claims process. And remember, you're in line with every other residential person and every other commercial owner in the entire city. So that process can take uh, dozens of months, if not a handful of years. Or the other option is, and particularly a lot of lenders would actually prefer this because they can write it off of their current balance sheet, is you go and get with a bridge lender or a different type of financing source to come in and pay off that mortgage and really get involved with you on the rehab uh, process at your property. And so it's really up to the borrower as to which route they wanna do, if they wanna stay with their bank or their current lender, or if they wanna go with somebody who can really help specialize in getting them the money they need to get their property up back to full operations, probably quicker than their current finance. Wow, okay. So, so in that case, you guys really play a, uh, major role in the capital markets because it, banks aren't going to be able to <clears throat> address that type of need. Would you agree? Completely agree. And one thing that I want to hit on too is, you know, with a major disaster like that, or if you're just purchasing a property that has 40% of the down units, the main thing is that you're going to be infusing capital to pay to get those units back online and to get your renovations done. And with banks, there's a very stringent approval process of releasing dollars for capital improvements and improvements on the units. But with different type of capital providers such as bridge lenders and private lenders, we can provide what uh, in the industry is called a draw 
which whenever you're drawing down on additional loan dollars that are promised to you in your loan agreement, we can process those much quicker than other traditional banking and lending sources. Okay, very good. And of course, uh, a very smart investor uh, can use that to um, the fact that he can get quick access to capital to negotiate with contractors because I would imagine in a situation like that, there's great demand for contractors. And contractors are going to, they're going to uh, kind of nav- uh, gravitate toward folks that can pay them the quickest, right? Absolutely. General contractors, they have to pay their subcontractors and pay their people. And so it really doesn't work if you keep giving them excuse and you're 30, 60, 90 days late on paying them, their quality of work is going to go down and the people that they allocate to your project are going to become non-existent until you pay them. And that can be a very slippery slope because as everybody knows, time is money, especially whenever you have investors on the other end that you are inevitably planning on returning capital to as well. Absolutely. So now you mentioned that uh, you guys obviously are a direct source. You have your own funds and you've partnered with some uh, institutional investors. You mentioned Heinz Reed and so forth. Um, and you're, uh, pro- you're based in Houston, correct? Correct. Now, uh, but you do deals nationwide, correct? So how do you take your product to market? I mean, what, how do you get business? What are you doing to drive business to, uh, to your firm? Yeah, that's a great question. And so obviously on the, the Texas side, we have very deep relationships with a lot of different brokerage shops all across the country and specifically in Texas. And so as a capital provider, it is almost impossible for me to go out and directly contact good borrowers and good clients myself. There's just too much land to cover and there's too many people. And so we really lean on organizations that can that have access to their clients and they are looking to get capital for them. And so we do do some direct lending and direct equity providing, but the main way that we drive business is reaching out to the brokerage community and uh, getting business that way. In addition to having brokers bring us business, we're very active on, uh, we have different email blasts that we use, LinkedIn and uh, having conversations like this through different podcast sources and different networking events really helps drive traffic in different markets outside. Okay, very good. And I would like to add that uh, we are a partner with Flagship uh, Capital. Uh, One of the things uh, I've mentioned uh, multiple times on this program is the way that we add value, Pioneer Realty Capital, is we're able to evaluate your loan request uh, with knowledge of the loan programs that are offered by firms like Flagship and determine what's the best fit for the deal as opposed to making the deal fit the credit box, uh, we pretty much make the credit box fit, fit the deal. And so uh, in these type relationships that uh, we have are, are key and important uh, to making sure that uh, both of us, Flagship and Pioneer, uh, can serve our clients uh, as, by representing the capital markets properly. So let me ask you another question. Um, give us an idea, we, we talked about a scenario that's perfect Uh, for your loan program, but let's talk about the ideal client. Uh, What is an ideal client for you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's another main point that I was going to hit on is that underwriting real estate and figuring out if the deal works, I think is probably 10% of what I do because 90% of what we do is based on the client and the sponsorship because no matter how good a deal looks on paper, 
essentially who you're partnering up with, if things go really well or really bad, that relationship and how you treat each other is extremely important. I've learned over the years that even if a deal is great on paper, if you're dealing with a bad operator, there's a very low probability of you getting your money back or being successful on the lending or equity providing. So the ideal sponsor that we're looking for, like I said, is one in the middle markets. We're not a group of people that are a lender that's gonna go out there and find the $100 million, very big institutional type deal. We're looking for somebody who is, you know, not doing their first deal, but not doing their 15th deal. We really like to find the people that are transitioning from, you know, what people in the industry kind of call a, a mom and pop operation to where maybe they've gone out and bought a couple of deals to where they're really scaling their business. Because what we want is people that are growing, that are really attentive to what's going on and that really care and are committed to their business. Because when you get too big and say you've got 10,000 apartment units, you kind of lose your touch on the small hundred unit deal whenever you've got 10,000 units to focus on. So for us, it's good operators, people that are growing their business and people that are involved and most importantly, people that have their own skin in the game. You know, we're going to want, we try and find borrowers and sponsors that, you know, they don't need to put their entire net worth in the deal, but I think that it's important that they do have some of their own personal capital invested in the transaction. Yeah, make, makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I would just like to add um, one of the, the trends we've seen um, with some of the folks coming into uh, the market purchasing real estate. Uh, we have a lot of uh, folks coming from the tech industry or maybe they're retiring uh, and they're, they decided that they need a fixed income strategy and they want to invest in uh, commercial real estate. Uh, but uh, one of the problems that I've noticed, and perhaps JC, you've noticed the same thing, is they treat the uh, capital markets or the services we provide uh, like a commodity. Uh, whereas we really provide, we're service providers. Uh, and the service we provide is uh, understanding your deal and making sure that that deal uh, fits the right capital acquisition strategy so that your business plan works, so that the deal works. Um, you know, but, but there's a tendency for folks to come in, uh, they wanna treat uh, firms like ours as a commodity and just shop it for price and not shop it for strategy. Uh, and, and, and that becomes an issue. And so to JC's point, uh, you know, firms like mine and firms like JC's, we become, we become very selective with regards to the type of sponsors we're gonna work with um, because of the fact uh, we cannot add value to that client if our services are being treated like a commodity. Uh, uh, you know, if everything's just based on one uh, factor in a deal, then there's no way we can really explain or uh, communicate the true value of our offering. Would, would you say that you agree with that? 100%. And one thing that I was going to add to is that, especially if you're looking to get into this, if you're coming from oil and gas or tech or anything else, the most important thing that you can do is leverage your time. And what you and I both do is we do this day in and day out 24 seven. And so it really, to me, feels like you're hindering yourself by not having an expert in the industry to come in and sit side by side with you. And a true testament to that, that I always explain to people that bring up this clients that say, you know, why would we use somebody like you whenever I can just go and talk to my banker or do it direct and my, my answer always is, is that look at the people that are highly successful in the real estate industry. 
If you see the people that started with one complex and now own a hundred of them, I promise you that every single one of them had a consultant that they trusted, essentially thought of them as a partner that helped them through the process all along the way and helped them leverage their time. And so, um, you know, this probably isn't the right way to say it, but if people think that they can go and find the best transactions and do the deals on their own, good luck. Uh, but everybody that I know that has been highly successful in this business has had some type of consultant, either a broker or a capital provider that they have done dozens of transactions with that they truly trust as a partner. And that's the highest potential for success. Okay, wow, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, so JC, uh, as we uh, conclude this uh, episode of our podcast, um, and you think about the type of audience that we have, which you know runs the gamut, but a lot of folks are, are new to commercial real estate finance. Um, in addition to the things that you provided, uh, tell us um, where you, what role do you think that flagship might play in helping someone who's transitioning in? Because I, I know you, you guys kind of like folks that have at least done one or two deals. Uh, and then um, what can you, what can uh, someone in our audience do uh, to uh, gain access to your platform? Who would they contact? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, for people that are listening out there right now, I think one way that flagship could help you out is, you know, in the future on deals that you're looking at or reviewing, one way that I can help out personally in our firm can is we're always open to a conversation. And so if you're having a question on how to capitalize a deal and you really maybe don't know where to start, you know, I, I'm a phone call away or Pioneer or other groups are a phone call away. And so I think really just calling somebody who is in the capital markets and is in the business of providing capital getting started with them sooner rather than later really will help your process and make it easier for us personally being able to help out. So I think just reaching out and trying to figure out, you know, there's a deal that I'm looking at, the purchase price is X, you know, I've got X amount of money that I think I want to put into it. How would you capitalize this deal? And I think just kind of leaving an open-ended question like that when contacting a capital provider and doing that early on really makes the process more fluid and doing that before you go under contract on a deal might be a good indication as to if the deal actually works because you might be assuming one thing and the market might be completely different. You know, if you're underwriting a 5% rate and it's really a 3% rate, it can help the deal. If you're underwriting a 5% interest rate and the market for that transaction is really 9%, then it can kill the deal as well. And so I think that would be uh, the best way for that flagship could help you out would just be, you know, taking that phone call, which I'm happy to do and uh, having that quick conversation just to, to get a quick synopsis of the deal. And um, as far as contacts at flagship, um, I believe that y'all are going to be provided with my contact information and uh, I'm just an email away. And I think that is the best way to contact me is to shoot me a, a question or maybe potentially set up a, a phone call uh, via email with me and, here over the next couple of weeks, it's very rare that I can't find, you know, 30 minutes to speak with somebody if they want to learn more. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, we certainly appreciate that. You've been a wealth of information for us. Um, we certainly enjoy uh, being able to uh, bring folks like you to our podcast to talk to our audience, um, to really give our audience a behind the scenes look uh, at how the capital markets operate. Uh, uh, folks like uh, our firm, Pioneer, 
um, uh, flagship capital partners, and, and of course there are a multitude of other firms. Uh, that's what we're here for. Uh, we have access to the capital markets, access to direct capital, uh, and we're here to use that capital uh, to really uh, make our customers and our clients successful. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast, this episode, and uh, we certainly invite you to uh, hit the little like button if you really enjoyed it, uh, and to subscribe to this podcast if you find this information valuable. And JC, we would love to have you back on our program uh, to talk about other aspects of the capital market that perhaps uh, we didn't have time to cover today. Uh, but with that being said, uh, we want to thank our audience for uh, allowing us to take some time out of your day or your evening uh, to watch this podcast. And we certainly invite you back to view our next episode. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> but I need to ask you just two questions. What do you do and how do you do it? I'm a commercial real estate finance professional. I bet you had to get a lot of schooling for that job. You don't have to. You just need to be good with people and receive the right education. Well, I'm definitely good with people. Tell me where I get the right education. I went to the PRC School of Commercial Real Estate Finance. It's convenient and affordable. That's great. Pioneer your future at the PRC School of Commercial Real Estate Finance.